You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast, along with the Acme Packing Company. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You know my co-host. He is the one and only Justice Mosqueda. You can follow him on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Justice, it's Victory Monday as we're recording this. How the heck have you been? And uh, tell me everything you know. Everything? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Small task. I've, I've been great. I've been Good. great. Yeah, I mean, this past game is everything that we wanted from the offensive side. And big thumbs up. You know, we, fi- we finally won a game against a real quarterback. We did it. Hang the banner. Hang the banner. There's This is an interesting one. I'm really excited to get your thoughts on this one. Uh, I got to be, I think, the negative one in our podcast yesterday with Alex and Perry. Um, I think I'm a little, I feel a little bit better today than I think I felt yesterday about the win. So, uh, but I'm really interested in your thoughts on everything. So let's just start there. We've got a lot to discuss. Obviously, we've got a short week with Packers Lions. We've got an updated injury report. Packers made some transactions. We will get to all of that. But I want to start with your key takeaways from Packers Chargers. Okay. Offensive side of the ball, the passing game looked really good. I like the fact that they were able to distribute the ball a little bit more evenly than they have in the past. Um, I know if you look at the snap counts, right, Wicks still only played like something like 24 of, you know, 72 snaps, which is pretty surprising. Um, Christian Watson actually led the wide receivers in snaps. Um, I think if you would have told anyone watching that game that Christian Watson got some of his snap shaved off for uh Dentavian Wicks plays, they would have believed you. Um, but that's that's not the reality of how that kind of thing worked out. The the good thing is, you know, they didn't just spam Watson and, and Dobbs targets like they had in the past. They really started using Jaden Reed. Um and then the negatives really are John Runyon Jr. What the hell, man? You're gonna end up getting benched and then uh, Jonathan Owens, you know, he, he finally got a game against a real quarterback and he couldn't hide in the shadows for very much longer. This was not nope. a good one. For him. No, I thought from an Owens standpoint, just starting there, I actually thought he was like you said, mostly in hiding, but mostly solid. You know, they did a lot of you know pretty decent coming up in the run game in some of the previous games. No major issues, but this one was one where they targeted him and he just could not come up big when they needed him, specifically on the big play that was kind of an attempted tackle, I guess, if you will, um, and obviously allows the big touchdown on the play. Offensive side of the ball, I've been on this for running now, and it, it sucks because a couple of years ago, I was about as big of a running guy as you could be. I thought he had a really nice year in 2021. I thought 2022 was just a bit of a down year. I didn't think it was anything awful. It was mostly fine slash like kind of bad at times, but not anything like this. And this year is just totally different. There's times where it literally looks like he forgot how to block. And I don't really understand how that could be the case. And it's super, super frustrating. It will be interesting. I, I doubt the short week is the week where they make the switch and go with Sean Ryan. But if, if it doesn't go well, this game against Detroit, you would think with an extended period of time off after that Thursday game, 
maybe, maybe that's the time where they finally go Sean Ryan and give him a little bit of a bigger look. My, my ultimate takeaway from this one, and it, it, I think it's kind of mirroring what you were saying, is that from a pass offense standpoint, a lot of positives. I thought the receivers were used in the right way, and I want to go over that in just a moment. I thought some good stuff from the tight ends. Tucker Craft showed off a gear that I didn't think he had showed in the NFL as of yet. He had some college stuff that was really fun, but did not show anything like that. I know he stepped out of bounds. I don't really care. It was a really fun run after the catch. Jordan Love showed signs of improvements. We'll, we'll, we'll go over that as well. Everything else in this game was basically a letdown for me. Um, I didn't think the defense played well. I didn't think the special teams played well. They couldn't run the ball still against a not great Chargers interior defensive line. They still couldn't get anything going in the middle uh, of that. You obviously had some really disappointing injuries. Dontavian Wicks has a concussion. That's a bummer. Like just those sort of things. That that Everything else was bleh. But I thought the pass offense and especially some of the rookies, that was my other big takeaway. Like even the rookies that did play on defense, like Carrington Valentine, Carl Brooks, Anthony Johnson Jr., those were some of the bright spots on defense overall. You know, obviously you've got uh, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, we talked about, even Emmanuel Wilson, Malik Heath found roles. Like the the rookies in this game were really, really fun outside of maybe Anders Carlson and, and LVN still kind of trying to find his footing in the league. But those are my two mostly positive takeaways. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you said there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly not the prettiest game. I mean, we are in a situation where if Quint Johnson didn't drop that pass, the Packers are probably, you know, they they lose that game, right, going yep. into Detroit. So, tight ones in the NFL find a way sometimes. Sometimes you got to find a way. And as, as Perry and Alex told me yesterday, Hey, Green Bay's been on their fair share where it's bounced on the, you know, the other way, or, you know, they've, <laughs> they've had their drop go against them or whatever it might be. So just totally true. And they finally got a couple to go their way. The, the Green Bay sun was in Green Bay's favor with a couple of those drops as well. So appreciate that. I do want to, before we get to the defensive side of the ball a, a little bit more, I want to talk about those wide receivers. Cause that was one of my other real positive ones in this game. Cause it felt to me, that not only did they sort of spread the ball around and get it in everyone's hands, and it felt like Jordan felt very comfortable going through his reads and his progressions. It felt like, and I don't want to overblow this because I think for the most part, they're going out and playing wide receiver, but it felt like they had real positive roles and like everyone kind of did the stuff that they did well in this game. Christian Watson was screaming across the entire, you know, from one side of the field to the other on the touchdown play from the slot. And I love those deep crossers for him. I think that's something that you don't have to be insanely nuanced, but being six, four and super fast is really, really good in those situations. And they used him in a lot of that Malik Heath, really good blocking receiver. They utilized him in a very, you know, in some really cool ways and got him involved in, as a blocker, which worked out really, really well. And then as soon as like they stopped, like, you know, kind of caring about him as a receiver, and, like they threw him the quick pass to the outside and he picks up an easy seven yards with no issues whatsoever. Dontavian Wicks, they used as kind of their route runner and their guy that could get open with legitimate separation. And they kind of used his skills to the best of his ability. Romeo Dobbs, strong hands, Romeo Dobbs, Justice Mosqueda. Uh, they utilized him to kind of go up and get some of those balls in some of the more contested catch situations, which I think he's a little bit better at. Jaden Reed, playmaker. They utilized him as a playmaker, end arounds, sweeps, reverses, all of it. And then, you know, obviously got him involved in the passing game out of the slot as well. It just felt really, really good. Even Kraft and Musgrave, I would say a lot of the same stuff. It felt like everyone had the right role in this game for one of the first times. And I'm really hoping that that can be something they utilize moving forward as well. Yeah, everyone got at least one play that you can look back 
on the day after the game and, you know, be excited about what they're going to bring to the future. Right. So, um, no, I mean, I, I thought the read stuff was probably the biggest thing. I like the fact that they're working in craft and, uh, even Sims a little bit more. DeGuar only had one snap in this game and it was as a pseudo fullback. So, um, going to be interesting to see what happens with that situation moving forward. Um, I, you know, the Watson and the Dobbs thing, I think the rules were kind of already cemented a little bit, but the fact that they were able to get read all those touches just in creative ways. I mean, there were a couple of times they had them in the backfield and, you know, those pony sets and stuff like yep. that. So I wonder if we're going to see a little bit more of that, you know, against Detroit, you know, short week and all that stuff. Um, and then Wicks on those in cuts. I mean, it seems like that's really what they want to use him for is like, Hey man, if you can create separation over the middle of the field, we really don't have a guy who can do that consistently, right? Like Dobbs has kind of struggled with that and his hands, they're they're strong. They're a little inconsistent though. Right. Um, I know Wicks had a drop or two in this game, but yep. I take it if he's going to go for 91 yards or whatever it was on three catches. And really showed off some explosiveness on that one run after the catch. Not only the explosiveness, but the strength at the point of attack. And then just separated really easily after that. I love the Jaden Reed, yeah. the first reverse too, where there's just a really small crease. And it's just like zero to a hundred in a millisecond and just gets through there. Those are just the plays where Green Bay hasn't always had that player on the field that can make special things happen in those situations. And it's really fun to see that from those two. Uh, let's go to the defensive side. I didn't spend too much time talking about defense yesterday. I don't know how much you guys did over on Acme Packing, but um, just because I think this has a lot, been a lot of the same things over and over, and it just didn't seem quite as fun to talk about the defense, but I suppose we should probably do it. This is, this is my take on it, Justice. You have 20 points, right? Opening drive, fourth down drop. That, that catch right there gets them basically in field goal range with a brand new set of downs. I'm saying that that takes at least three points off the board right there. Keenan Allen drop on third down. That would have got them basically first and goal from the one, at least they could end up kicking a field goal. That to me probably takes four points off the board right there on a Keenan Allen drop later. Keenan Allen in the end zone, wide open yeah. touchdown drop. Brutal. I've never goal. seen him ever like miss that play. I mean, that's a, that's as bad of a drop you're going to see at the NFL level for, from a respectable wide receiver that was crazy almost any receiver but certainly a player like keenan allen but that's another four points off the board at least right there austin eckler fumble now we can give kenny clark credit for forcing the fumble absolutely and if we want to nuke this one from the list okay because they did actually have some part in forcing this one the slip to me is what kind of caused this entire situation i don't think if eckler slips he ends up fumbling he slips he gets back up and the act of getting back up Clark is all of a sudden waiting for him and punches the ball out, which again, credit to Green Bay for punching it out, credit to Green Bay for recovering it. But had it not been for a bizarro slip, I think you know, that's probably another seven points for the Chargers on that drive. And then you mentioned earlier, the Quentin Johnston drop at the end of the game, at best, three points on the board, at worst, another seven points if he takes it to the house, which I think he probably does. That is somewhere between 21 and 25 points, depending on where you want to go. Uh, with all of those, like that is a lot of points that they missed out on, not due to Green Bay doing things defensively, due to the Chargers' own self-inflicted wounds and mistakes or slippages or sun in their eyes or whatever you want to call it, acts of God. Uh, that's 20 points that was on the board with another potential 25 out there for them. 
Um, this could have easily, easily been a 40 point game allowed by the defense, in my opinion. Free Justin Herbert, my sweet baby boy. Go Ducks. Um, yeah, I mean, there were opportunities, right? There were plenty of opportunities. I think this team, from a schematic standpoint, I think the defense actually matched up well with what the Chargers like to do, right? Like yep. the big weakness for the Packers is still inside run. Chargers aren't really that interested in doing inside run without us Eckler, you know, as the guy in the backfield, right? So they yep. they they want to try to go outside. Even the one play that Eckler had that was an explosive play, they try to go outside, and Preston Smith is supposed to set the edge there, stop that play. He just gets a little greedy, pokes his head inside, and then Eckler's yeah. able to get on the edge. Um, outside of getting beat by these tight ends, whose names um at least one Stone Smart, where the heck did that guy? Come that's from? not. It's I, not real. That's like no. Zane. That's their Zane Anderson. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a Madden generated uh, name. <laughs> Yep. Third year into a franchise. Um, certainly things to work on on the defensive side. I am really, really scared about the idea of Jonathan Owens playing real snaps for this team down the stretch against real quarterbacks. Um, like we mentioned, like the past two weeks, right? I mean, Brett Rippon, who is no longer, you know, gamefully employed by the Los Angeles Rams. And then Kenny Pickett, who has fewer passing touchdowns than uh, Tommy DeVito at this point, right? Like those aren't real tests. This was a real yeah. test and you got bombed constantly. Like they were like, this is the weak link. Let's go yeah. after him. Um, really worried about the whole idea of that down the stretch, especially since, you know, don't look now, but the Packers, what eight, eighth seed in the NFC as it stands today, we just need, probably one of the Seahawks or the Vikings to completely collapse so we could sneak our way into the playoffs. I don't know if I even want them to get in the playoffs. I don't, I don't know if I want to end the season on like, and you're traveling to San Francisco to get your ass kicked. Like, I don't know if I want to deal with that 20. It would, it would be so fitting by the way, in all like the years where like they were set up to beat the 49ers and like with all the talent in the world and could never get the job done. If this was the year that they snuck into the playoffs, went to San Francisco and somehow like came away with a 13 to seven victory in some capacity or something like crazy, that would just be the most green Bay thing ever. Yeah, actually I do want them in the playoffs because the idea of that is enough to get me going. So <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But yeah, I thought there were a, a couple interesting things from the defense. They did have a couple, they, they used LVN a little bit more as an actual down lineman or whatever we want to call it in the vernacular. They actually used him uh hand in the ground, uh, which was interesting that he had one play of that a week ago, but they used it a little bit more in this game. There was yeah. a, a play they where did they some used interesting stuff, by the way, the chargers a couple times were like, Oh, Gary and Preston Smith aren't on the field. Hurry up. Hurry up, hurry up, keep them on the field, keep them on the field, huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. Um, yep. So that might be one of the reasons why you see the little bit of uptick in uh, LVN's snap count. That was an interesting yeah. thing um, when I was watching. Yeah, the Chargers went hurry up in some advantageous positions for them and let Herbert cook a little bit. I thought it was really smart. Um, I wish I wish more teams would do that, honestly, is, is find some of those mismatches or when guys are not on the field and just say, let's, let's freaking go. Let's not let them sub. That was really smart on their end. Uh, there was a couple plays where Green Bay had 
literal four defensive linemen on the field with two outside linebackers and an inside linebacker. It was Enigbare, and I think it was Campbell on the outside with Quay uh, at the inside linebacker. Um, they used a little bit of that. They used a little bit of Penny this week. Uh, they just did some some more fun stuff, and it was at least uh, a, a few wrinkles that I appreciated, if nothing else. Yeah, they keep they keep adding a little bit more to this defense. And if you think that Joe Barry isn't adapting, I think you're watching something different um, than I am. I know last game was very frustrating, right? Watching them try to stuff the yeah. run and nickel and just um, really try to solve the game by like rotating in a safety into the box when safety wasn't really making much of a difference either way, right? Um, this game, you know, you got to see they threw the kitchen sink at everything. I think Matt even talked about it in his presser and he was like, Joe played a lot of single high safety. I don't know if I would have had the nuts to call that against Justin Herbert, but you can't give him, you know, shallow zones underneath or he's just going to pick you apart. You know, you got to force the issue at some point. The, the one thing that I will give credit for on the defensive side where I'm like, this, this seems to be a pretty good thing is the cornerback unit, right? Yep. Man, we're going on, what, two games now of you just traded Rasul. Eric Stokes is on injured reserve. Jair can't play. You know, you're bringing two different guys up from the practice squad and you signed another guy off of waivers. And, and by the way, your your steady rock at the cornerback position, outside corner at least, is a rookie seventh-round pick. A lot of teams would have totally folded at yeah. that point. And I know some of that has to do with uh, the schemes that, that Green Bay is running, right, when you're running a bunch of quarters and you're running a bunch of cover three, um, it's a little bit easier to play the cornerback position, right? Um, but I, I, I think that gets a big thumbs up for me. Totally agreed, and I'm happy you brought that up. I mentioned something similar yesterday, but this, this their top five defensive backs going into the season were not available for this game. You know, Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, um, Razul Douglas, Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford, right? They don't have any of the five in their defensive backfield. So that, that obviously complicates things quite a bit. I want to get, I think Valentine certainly deserves credit. I think he's getting some of the credit he deserves. Had some hiccups in this game, but that's going to happen for a rookie corner. Corey Valentine though, is the one where like, this is not a high upside, like, Hey, let's develop this guy sort of play. This is a back of the rotation practice squad dude, who, even if he got added to the roster, you're hoping it's going to be a special teams guy, like at best. And he's come in and he's competed every single week. It's not always the prettiest, but like he's getting the job done. And I've been really impressed just with how he's been able to hang in there. That was one where I'm like, man, it's not even fun because like it's, there's probably no upside play here and it's probably just going to be bad and you're going to get beat a lot. And he's just meant to be a special teamer, but he's hung in there and I've enjoyed watching him play. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just need a guy to get you out of a stretch. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's value in that. You know, Ballantyne is one of the few guys who um, had gotten all of his practice squad call-ups and didn't end up graduating off of the practice squad, right? The Packers do that a lot with some of these guys. Um, but they decided to keep him around and, you know, eventually bring him up to the 53-man roster. Um, sometimes you just need a guy, man. I mean, just look at the running back position right now, right? Like, you're going to need a guy for, you know, this week, maybe the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no, totally. And um, let, let's kind of go over some of that too. So we we saw some transactions that were made. Obviously, injuries decimated this team through the last game. 
Uh, Green Bay makes a few different transactions. They bring James Robinson back to the practice squad. Not super surprising there. Patrick Taylor, they signed off of the Patriots practice squad onto the active roster. Uh, we'll go over that in just a second as well. Christian Young is gone from the practice squad, and then they release safety special teamer Dallin Levitt, who uh, Matt LaFleur was not too happy with at the opening part of the game where he has two penalties backing them way up. And I, LaFleur was livid on the sidelines with Levitt. So he ends up gone. Patrick Taylor makes so much sense for a variety of reasons, but like the biggest is that a, it's a short week and you need somebody that knows the offense. That's important. B the job description is probably pass protection along with needing like a third down back. Hello, Patrick Taylor. Like he was literally made for this exact specific scenario where you need somebody to know the offense pass pro third down, and you can bring him in. Perfect. Hello, Patrick Taylor back on the roster. Yeah. Great fit. I wasn't sure if they were going to pull the trigger. Um, you know, there was a bunch of options, right? Lou Nichols, him. Obviously, he's got more playing experience. They could have looked at a guy like a Tyler Goodson, something like that. Um, obviously, they brought back James Robinson, so he was another option. Um, they have the guy on the practice squad right now, too. Um, Ellis Merriweather, baby. Ellis Merriweather. Uh, dog, according dog. to his JUCO offensive line coach. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of options. One one of the trade-offs is that I believe there's some sort of rule in the NFL where if you poach someone off of a practice squad, they have to stay on the 53-man, yeah, for three weeks. Yep. Um, interesting. So reading so between the lines, right? Yeah, reading between the lines, we have uh, a shoulder separation for uh, Emmanuel Wilson, right? Yep. Which maybe isn't. A big deal. I know, you know, shoulder separations are, you know, they they don't sound good, right? But right, you can't you can just pop your arm back into the socket, right? Um, so not sure what that means long term. And then uh Aaron Jones, who LaFleur said, you know, hopefully it's not a long term thing. Aaron Jones after the game said he had already um they'd already done like the ACL testing, right? And it's not his ACL, yep. he's getting an MRI done today, so we should know you know, pretty shortly, you know, what his situation is like. I have more have a question on, okay, how long are these guys going to be out than anything else? Um, Cause you could have just kind of called the guy up right from, I mean, yeah. either Robinson or, um, you know, Merriweather, but I guess if you're going to move off of Donald Levitt, who by the way, happy Thanksgiving, um, it didn't really matter. Yeah. I, I don't think it like at, at the end of like the, the back of the roster, like Taylor obviously is a, was pretty well-rounded on specialty. You'd know better. Like did he, how many units did pump he play protection, on? Pump protection is the big one. If you can play on pump protection, that's massive. He, he was playing positions that usually only tight ends play um, yeah. for perspective. So yeah, it's, that's a big boy at running back and he's willing to do a lot of the dirty work to your point. I mean, Right, the, the the he's going to be as special teams, um, which have been a mess, by the way, because of all the injuries at tight end and linebacker this year. Yep. Uh, he's going to be asked to do a bunch of pass protection, maybe end of game type of stuff, two minute drill. Like he's already done that. Yep. Right. And so uh, I think he can get plenty of opportunities. I think so too. I think they'll find a way to utilize him. 
Um, and like, just because like Emmanuel Wilson could be back in a week, doesn't necessarily mean that they couldn't put him on IR for the four week period. Um, like they theoretically probably could do something like that and just be like, we want to rest it to make sure it's hundred percent healthy. And then as soon as that four week period is up, you bring Emmanuel Wilson back and cut Patrick Taylor off the roster. Like there's different ways. I'm sure that they can get around that to get the roster spot if they really need it. I don't think, you know, and like you said, if it's just that they move off Dallin Levitt, all right, they moved off one special teams guy for another special teams guy. And it's probably not the end of the world and they'll, they'll be able to live through it in the meantime. Um, the other interesting thing is that Darnell Savage was, uh, his practice window opened. So he's on IR. He could potentially come back. You mentioned earlier of like, uh Oh, uh, Jonathan Owens. And certainly this week could be like, I guarantee you that the lions are looking at that and being like, Oh, we can definitely attack this guy in a variety of different ways. If Savage was able to play this week or were able to play this week, he, and he did practice in a limited capacity. I do wonder if they would go with Savage and Anthony Johnson Jr. Um, also, Rudy Ford practiced in a limited capacity. It's another, like, maybe it's just Savage and Ford. Maybe they get both back. If they get one, maybe they go with Anthony Johnson at the other. And maybe Jonathan Owens can be, you know, go back to the, the special teams role. But at least some maybe hope for optimism there at the safety position. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would pretty much do anything but allow Ford to uncontended play safety at this point so yeah, yeah. I, i'm fully on board with that um as well like it's just it's not it's not good man it's not good no, I'm totally with you totally with you like you could kind of see it coming to you knew it was going to happen at some point if it like just going back to his previous he got, he got two free games good yes. for him for getting two free games but now the book's out there sorry buddy yeah it's it, and it's going to be read by just about everyone specifically ben johnson this week all right other practice stuff limited Limited. It's a short list, Justice. He were the, the players that were limited in practice. Jair Alexander, although good sign that he is practicing again. Corey Ballantyne, not a great sign that he is now limited in any capacity. Kenny Clark, AJ Dillon, their other, their one healthy running back is uh, apparently not healthy. Uh, Rudy Ford, Rashawn Gary, Elton Jenkins, Keyshawn Nixon, another corner, Darnell Savage, and Christian Watson. That's just the limited ones. So we got 10 players limited. Now, here are the players who actually did not practice in any capacity. Devondre Campbell, starting inside linebacker. Josiah DeGuara, we'll say starting H-back. Aaron Jones, starting running back. Luke Musgrave, not great sign, starting tight end. Dontavian Wicks should be starting wide receiver, and that's a concussion, and that's a big one to note because there's There's no way way he's going to clear protocol. Nope, by Thursday. Zero percent chance, basically. And Emmanuel Wilson, not starting running back. Um, so Campbell, DeGuara, Jones, Musgrave, Wixon, Wilson did not practice in any capacity. Watson, Savage, Nixon, Jenkins, Gary, Ford, Dylan, Clark, Ballantyne, and Alexander, exhale, uh, were limited participants. Not not a great injury report. This, the Lions had a total of four players on their injury report. The only player I think that didn't practice uh, health or uh, like actual injury related was Jonah Jackson, the interior offensive lineman. So a little bit different uh, in Detroit. Those practice squad guys got a lot of work today. Congrats Big to them. Time. Did they? I, even it, I think it was probably more of like a walkthrough anyway, if anything, right? I would assume so. I mean, day after a game, you're just yeah. take the day off if you need it. Like, just make sure you're focusing on football, resting, drinking water, and eating right. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because obviously there's there's a lot of key players on this. I, I would assume for the most part, the limited group is probably going to go in some capacity. Uh, I think yeah. Rudy Ford, Jair Alexander, probably like the questionable ones. And then Darnell Savage, if he gets activated, like yeah, we'll see. Like those are probably right. the questionable ones of that group. And then 
the the DNPs, I would assume Jones is going to be a no-go. Wicks is going to be a no-go. Wilson's going to be a no-go. And then the, probably the questionable ones from that group that we just don't know right now are probably Devondre, DeGuara, and Musgrave would be my guess. Yeah. No, I agree with you. The Campbell one worries me a little bit just based off of how he reacted on the field. Um, McDuffie's played a lot of football at this point. I don't think you want to add wear and tear to Devondre's body. So I, that's one where if I, if I'm making the call, I probably just call it at this point. And I'm like, yeah, just we're starting McDuffie. Like we need to sometime look at how many snaps Quay and Campbell have actually played together this season, because it's felt like it's been like one or the other all season long. I think we can reverse engineer that with just the McDuffie snaps. McDuffie snaps. That's probably true. Probably true. Uh, I wanted to talk uh, about a couple other things. The offensive line rotation, you got Rashid and Yash switching off at left tackle. Sean Ryan gets one series again, not exactly a rotation, just a random series again. Right. And they scored a touchdown again. Yeah. So all they do is score touchdowns when Sean Ryan's in the game, basically. I I would like to see more of Sean Ryan um, at left tackle. I mean, I know everyone's hanging up the uh, Rashid or uh, the the yeah Rashid Walker. You know, basically perfect in pass protection thing, and he did he did play good in that phase of the game. But like, he's still struggling in the run game. Um, still think Nyman is more consistent on a game to game basis. We'll see. I mean, maybe it's just better to keep them on their toes and just ride the hot hand type of situation um, there. So I want to see Ryan, though. I think you you can't make it out of this season and not get an answer on Ryan of whether or not he's going to be able to be a guy who can handle the right guard. Um, just looking at the draft and stuff like that, right? Like, you know, you could play Tom at left or right tackle, but like the, the draft class, especially where the Packers are going to end up drafting, right? It's all right tackle range if you know Joel and and Fashanu end up coming off the board so I think you got to get an answer there and figure out like hey is our offensive line going to be set going into the season or do we need to be in the guard market too yeah no it's a great point because as of right now your starters going into next year assuming that like Bakhtiari is not playing the you know, whatever, like just leaving him off to the side for now. Right. That's all you, that's all you can do do, is is just like, Hey, look, if, if he comes back, great, but we got a plan for the other. Yeah. So you're probably looking at literally Rashid Walker, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, Sean Ryan, and Zach Tom. If the season were to start today with the 2024 players that are on the roster, unless they like, love Luke Tenuta and we just don't know it because he hasn't been, you know, able to play all season long. Something tells me that that's not the case, but um, they loved Rasheed Walker out of nowhere too. And they apparently still love uh, Josh Myers. So I, who knows, but that's probably what Josh they're Myers at did a bear there. crawl on the first run run play in this game, by the way. I, I can't justice. I can't anymore. Um, <laughs> I I've, I've really ever Playing since, ever since, ever since both like when Steno said it, I'm like, okay, sure. I'm like, whatever. I, that's like, you have fun with that. That's just like random coach speak or whatever. When Goody said it, I like legitimately did like, uh, am I just like, am I missing? Like, what am I missing? So like, I've gone into these last few games, like trying to watch him with just a different set of eyes being like, am I, am I just being, am I, do I have some random Josh Myers bias that I am not aware of? Like, I'm going to go into this, like watching him and think, just giving them the benefit of the doubt on anything that I can possibly give them the benefit. I, I, I can't, I, there's nothing I can find that tells me that he's playing the best ball of his career. And again, maybe he is just based on his previous ball, but 
Ooh, I'm, I'm not there. I can't get there justice. I think the God honest truth is one, they don't want to move Tom. Right. Which is good. And I'm then, cool with that. Right. And then two, I think he's dealing with a lot of the protections for a very yep. young quarterback and they probably don't want to mess up that chemistry. Um, but I guess from like a messaging standpoint, you can't really come out and say that, right? You can't be like, we got a young quarterback under center and the one guy who can play center other than Myers is playing tackle for us and tackle yep. more valuable. Like, I don't know if you can come out and do that. It's probably just better to lie and say like, he's playing really good football. And as we've if seen, they would have said, of- if they would, if the quote would have been that he's, he's easily one of our best or he's easily one of our best five offensive linemen. I could have understood that. I like, I can understand if they like him being one of their best five linemen and clearly being a starter. I don't have a huge issue with that statement. I, I do have more umbrage with he's playing the best fall of his career, but whatever it's semantics. It doesn't really matter. Um, They clearly have a a bit of a running back issue this week. Uh, We talked about who they picked up. Uh, They could call up both Merriweather and, or James Robinson. They have two active running backs on the roster that are healthy, sort of healthy and AJ Dillon. And then in Patrick Taylor, I'm assuming this is probably going to be Dillon as the guy, Patrick Taylor, as as we talked about the number three and kind of some, maybe some no huddle offense stuff and your, your pass down guy, your pass pro guy. And then I would think one of the other two gets called up. I don't know who I'm leaning towards at this point. Do they go with the veteran and James Robinson for some of that other stuff in in case of emergency, or do they go with the young guy? But I would assume they probably have three active. I think you go Robinson. I think so too. I think you go Robinson. I mean, he's seen a lot. Right. I mean, he was a thousand yard rusher in 2019 or 2020, whichever year it was. Um, Merriweather, I I mean, was it on the Merriweather can play teams in some capacity? Like, if they felt, because I don't think Robinson's playing teams. If if they felt like Merriweather just got here, I mean, he just got here week eight, right? Like, Robinson's had the playbook for a while at the very least. So, um, true. Yeah. I, I think it's Robinson, but it's more of a breaking case of emergency type of situation than anything yep. else. And I'm sure uh, Jaden Reed will get a couple opportunities um, to get the ball in his hand in the backfield. Same thing as like last week. And then maybe this is the week that you finally start seeing the Keyshawn stuff that we've been told that they've been working on during the season. That'd be awesome. I'm all for it. And maybe they need Jair to come back to feel like they have enough depth at corner to be able to risk Keyshawn on offense or something. Um, but I would love to see like, just even if he's in the backfield on a play action fake, like, I don't care. Like do, do something, have fun with it. Like that's, we had the, I, we had the flea flicker that never got flick, uh, this past game. Was, so. It was so funny. I'm watching that live and like all of a sudden Dylan's getting turned around and I'm watching all the receivers run routes and I'm watching the, like everyone pass pro. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden it's just like a tackle for loss. And I like watching it live. I'm like, what just happened? And then I like, so in the press box, you have the, you're obviously viewing the game and then the, the game is on a delay, like right above you. So you look up and you're like, what the heck just happened? And then I'm like, Oh, they were, they were easily trying to run a flea flicker. And that, that flea did not flick. Yeah. I, I, they showed the, the kind of like the end zone angle um, at the line. And I'm like, everyone's in pass pro. Yeah, they just like handed it off to Dylan. I, I at first I couldn't tell if it was a flea flicker or if it was a play action that they just handed off. Handed off on accident. Play action. Yep. Yeah, ugly play, ugly play. Young team, 
Still those ben, mess ups. Ben Sims runs right into AJ Dillon on the play. Uh, oh, just stuff like that. There's the, the screenplay too, where Dillon's leading the screenplay and all three offensive linemen are behind him, which is really, really fun. There's a play that I posted where like every offensive lineman is going in like opposite directions. And at one point you end up with a four person line right in front of Jordan Love of just four green jerseys. It looks like a Congo line. It's just, it's fantastic stuff. So still some stuff to work on. Yeah, that, that, uh, the fake double screen to Musgrave this yep. week didn't look as good as it did last week with a little bit of different window dressing. No. Uh, yeah. You've got to be, I, I appreciate the boldness of like having something that worked so perfectly, having it on tape and just being like, we're going to run it again. They're not going to know it's coming. And they, I don't know if they knew it was coming or they just had the right call on, but uh, they were yeah. all over it for sure. Yeah. They just reacted to it quick. Um, they did. That thing takes a whole long time to develop, man. That is a it tough might call. It like it's possible that there was just like a middle blitz on because the guy came, I think, from I don't know if it was the inside linebacker, but he came right up and like blitzed right away. So I don't know if again they knew it or they just got unlucky with like they were bringing a guy right up the middle and there was no no longer anyone there to protect. But uh, yeah, it did it did not go great. Um, all right, so you mentioned a little bit earlier. Currently eighth seed in the NFC, they also have the ninth pick in the draft. So some really interesting uh, dynamics. They play, I think, three or four teams that pick behind them, the Panthers, the Buccaneers, the, um, well, the Bears, and the Buccaneers. So Panthers, Buccaneers, Bears. I think those are the three really, and the one Giants. So they Giants. play four yeah. teams that are clearly, wor- at least right now, like worse than them. Um, Vikings is interesting, and they're with a backup quarterback. And then you've got the two games coming up. You got the Chiefs and the Lions. It, it still very much feels like this is zero and two, and then you're just going to try to basically run the table against five pretty bad teams after that. But it's at least interesting now. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how much I'm rooting for the playoffs. I mean, could be fun to uh, make Vikings fans mad about not making it, but they get the benefit of the doubt of our quarterback wasn't even there. So yeah, uh, who knows if that's even fun. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see what we're playing for after this couple game stretch. I mean, we'll we'll see if, you know, this team can compete against the Lions and the Chiefs and kind of move forward with that because that end of games or end of season stretch, right, really is pretty like we're going to look and someone's going to have the tweet where it's like the last five games of the season, the Packers have the easiest you know, scheduling the league and all this stuff. And there's still the eight seed in the NFC because the NFC is so bad. Um, yep. We'll see if, if they end up stealing one against the Lions or chiefs. Yeah. Things think change. Yeah. I think we have a real conversation about like this team could probably make the playoffs and do with that. what you will again, I don't, I don't know if uh, losing in San Francisco or something like that it, is really worth making the postseason, but you know, you don't root against wins. So. No, totally agreed. All right, last but not least, before we get you out of here, Packers Lions uh, thoughts before we get into uh, thir- you know before they go to Thursday football. The Lions defense yeah. has quietly been worse than yeah. what you realize. They've allowed a whole ton of points, including this past week, where you know it's not like the Bears are lighting up every team in the NFL right now, and they were still able to score on them. Um, I kind of feel like we're catching the Lions at the right time. Now, with that being said, 
we're going to have to not run the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers game plan against the Lions run offense to have any sort of a shot in this game. I mean, that's one of the better offensive lines in the NFL, if not the best, right? It's probably them and Philly at this point. Um, They will just run inside on you the whole game if you give them that opportunity. So, you know, that base defense, that penny set, right, all that stuff, you're going to have to live in it in this game. And these defensive linemen are going to need to make some plays. And, you know, the past – two games the Packers haven't had a whole lot of penetration plays pressure like any of that stuff up front I I think the game comes down to those guys up front on the line of scrimmage on the defensive side you mentioned that Green Bay's catching Detroit at the right time and I mostly agree uh, on the Lions side of things where they're coming off a game where they had to ex- you know expand a lot of energy um to really beat the bears and, you know, play late into that game with, you know, kind of some intense moments. And then on a short week to come back from that, that, that can sometimes be daunting and challenging. So I'm, I'm interested about that. Um, I, they also made a lot of mistakes against the bears. I'm wondering if they're going to, you know, be able to clean all of that up in time, or if it was just a happenstance, whatever that interests me. The one thing though, I will say is I would have felt a lot more that way of like, maybe they're catching this team at the right time if half the Packers team wasn't on the injury report, that's the one thing where I'm still like, I don't know what to make of this because I don't even know who's going to play. And I don't know the people that are playing or even remotely healthy. Like that's, that's the one thing where I'm still like, uh, maybe it's not the right time. Yeah. Maybe it was a little wishful thinking, but no, I, I agree um, with you from the Lions side of things. I really do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing too, is just, you know, another data point for this passing offense, right? Like, can you guys keep this going? You know, people say, three data points is a trend and all that stuff. It's like, oh, well, let's make it four, right? Like yeah, four, four would be nice. I'm interested. If I told you they beat either the Chiefs or the Lions, who would you bet that they beat? The Chiefs defense is better than people give them credit for. Um, and the offense, sure. Like they're eighth in the NFL in passing efficiency. I don't care. They have Patrick Mahomes under center. So yeah. I, I would probably say, the Lions, right, with the, the short week kind of should even some things out, um, kind of feel like we're catching them at the right time. And uh, as, as long as you commit the bodies to the interior to stop the run, I, I, I kind of like the matchup. I'll say I'll say the same. I think it's Lions. I think weird things happen on Thursday football. And again, maybe that's a good thing for Green Bay. Justice, awesome stuff as always. Thanks. as I love doing these every single week. Uh, tell everyone where they can find your awesome work. Yeah, acmepackingcompany.com. You can subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you guys uh, subscribe to podcasts. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. Justice and I will be back next week breaking down a little bit of Packers-Lions, but looking ahead to Packers-Chiefs as well, so you won't want to miss that. We will see you then. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go! Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.
Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.